0: Welcome to the Industry.Fashion's In Conversation podcast, where we invite you to tune into the stories of some of fashion's most inspirational leaders. From the history of their careers to the current priorities for their businesses and advice for their fellow fashion friends, these conversations cover it all. The In Conversation series is staged in proud partnership with Klarna and Christine Polet, who often goes by the abbreviation of AC, leads the startup behind Hatch and Stitch, two software-as-a-service products that are changing the way fashion works, digitising the fashion value chain with 3D at the core. Having initially grown the business under the PVH brand, AC has now stepped up to launch the products externally. Hatch aims to help brands sell better to their wholesale customers, while Stitch allows brands and manufacturers to scale 3D. Both products aim to create a better, digital, more sustainable future for fashion. AC tells me, Tom Shearsmith, senior news and features writer at the industry.fashion about her passion for the fashion industry, her experience at companies including Puma, Tommy Hilfiger and Google, what it's like being a leading woman in tech, her role on the Forbes Technology Council and what the two products, Hatch and Stitch, can do for sustainability in the fashion industry. So AC, founder at Hatch and Stitch, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. How are you doing?
1: I'm great. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Happy to have you. As I said to you before we started recording, we did a podcast with Tommy Hilfiger a few weeks ago, and the, the thoughts of Hatch were in the back of my mind, so I've been eager to speak to you about it since. But before I get on to... Hatch and stitch, it'd be really good to just get a, a little bit of information about you and your background. So tell me anything that would make me an expert on you.
1: Well, my what we what you would need to know. I I think the red thread through my entire life has been that I'm a definite lover of fashion, but also very much an early adapter of technology. And I've always been fascinated by the space where the two meet. And my you know, if if you think of my studies and everything that I've done, I've always Gone at it from a business point of view, so I've never really dove into the technology. Like I'm a programmer. There's like way smarter people that do things like that, um, but I've always been interested in the business sense of things and how technology can impact the fashion and particularly the apparel industry. So, for example, I did my masters in Italy, and I wrote my thesis on uh, the advent of Web 2.0 and what the impacts would be for the apparel companies. and and how it would change the way that they would be interacting with their consumers. And I think that moment for me was so eye-opening because it really was a clash of like two industries, well, a positive clash of two industries coming together. And since then, even before I graduated, I got the job at Google, which for me was like a really eye-opening moment to work in a tech company and see how fast the space moves, but also how much the culture is all about You know, reinventing status quo, uh, constantly doing things better, learning, learning, learning and really um, iterating at a super fast pace. And when I moved into fashion, that was one of the things that initially I really missed. I missed that that kind of mindset. Um, But I also realized uh, quickly that it was a huge opportunity. Because uh, one of my favorite things to do is to be able to tackle existing problems in new ways, and I think having this background and having this curiosity, it allowed me to look at fashion and look at the problems that we have, especially under the hood, and start tackling that with a nice little mix of technology and a human approach. And I think that's really what's led me down this like super long roller coaster path that um, that I've been on.
0: I mean, what a tech company to start at, though. You you go straight for Google. I mean, I'm so impressed.
1: It was it was an amazing experience.
0: But some of the other brands and companies that you've worked at over your career, there's been Puma, there's been Google, as you said, PVH and Tommy. But you are now full-time at Hatch and yeah. Stitch. I will get into exactly what the company does. But can I just ask what your work has been at these previous brands before I go on to your actual company?
1: So I've always been on the um, what fascinated me in the beginning of fashion and apparel and and sports is um, the ability to build a world, which is the brand like the brand. A shoe can be just a shoe, but it's all about the storytelling and it's all about the brand. And having this experience across all these different markets, it allowed me to see how do you do that from a sports angle, really where the performance also really matters. Um then looking at, you know, I spent some time at Luxotica even when you're taking the eyewear example, what you know, with glasses and sunglasses exact same thing. It only sells because of the brand and only sells because of the story. And I thought that was so beautiful and really fascinating and I wanted to learn that. Um and then at Tommy it was the same thing. Um where you look at it, but then from a lifestyle and a fashion aspect, which is definitely a different approach than how performance would do it. And having this view across all those different, you know, nuances of, of the wider industry um was really great. And then combined with the tech aspects, I think that's when, you know, when I landed at at Hatch and Stitch, or when the Hatch and Stitch really came into fruition, uh, and we can get into that later, um, this viewpoint, this like macro level viewpoint has made it Um, really um, has been very important in in how we approach certain things. So we keep a technology mindset, which is challenging status quo, learning by doing, moving fast, not breaking things too much, but especially learning from what you're doing and constantly adapting to it, but then having this overall awareness of how the industry works. What are the inner workings of both a performance-based brand or more of a lifestyle and a fashion-based brand. And where are the challenges? You know, If we know the frictions, then we can really tackle it and, and build problems to solve it. And I think that's what, what's made this experience really worthwhile so far and, and uh, puts us in, in a good position at Hatch and Stitch to be able to, um, to serve that industry really well.
0: I mean, we can't talk about it any further without really understanding what Hatch and Stitch does. Um, in a nutshell, but please expand on it as much as you like, because it's, it's definitely quite a, a long answer.
1: We are a corporate venture, and we were born at PVH. And we were born from the notion that um, whatever happens under the hood in fashion is um, probably ripe for reinvention, put it that way. And um, w- our, our history goes all the way back to 2014, where Funnily enough, if you have the fashion value chain, like you always start with garment, your your collection creation, and you end with it, ending up with the consumer. But in 2014, we kind of started halfway. So we started um, because we were challenged with um, uh, with a project to digitize the B two B showrooms for Tommy. And the CEO back then, he said, I was walking through these showrooms and I saw two salespeople fighting over a midnight blue polo because they both had a customer in the showroom and they wanted to sell exactly that item. And there were no digital tools and just a physicality of like bringing your customer into the showroom, needing to have a full sample set because no sample, no sale. Um, and then being that like, imagine that this is a global brand. So you would have showrooms across the world. You would have to create sample sets across the world. All of that needs to be shipped and merchandised in showroom, et cetera, et cetera. Like the, like the it's so cumbersome and so inefficient that he was like, I would like to digitize that. And that's really how it started. So we spent around six weeks in the showrooms just looking at, you know, what were these salespeople doing? What, what made them successful? And how could we take a little part of that journey and digitize it so that we could reduce the dependency on samples, but at the same time, make the salespeople even more successful? Um, and that, you know, over the, the the next two years or so, that continued to grow and we continued to scale both with Tommy and Calvin Klein. And when when we started seeing value that we actually hadn't expected. So, topics like reducing time to market from selling wi- weeks, you know, 12 week selling windows to a six week selling window for B2B, which is amazing, to also more intangible things like an, a more aligned brand story in every single region. The sales teams had access to all the latest content. No one needed to check which version of the P- PowerPoint it was or which version of the marketing video. And so, all of these. Um, benefits, tangible and intangible, we came up. And then there was a big question like, hey, we're, we're kind of halfway through the value chain. What happens if we take the same approach, You know, tackling things with a technology lens, but also changing ways of working at the same time? What if we were to do this at the heart of the company? What if we could tackle design? And design currently at a lot of companies works in the same kind of physical way. You need physical prototypes to actually verify that what you created in your head as a creator um, is able, is actually producible, but that also the factories understand it. Um, And usually you would have maybe five, sometimes even 10 different physical prototypes before you get to a product that is kind of ready to sell. And so an answer there is to design in 3D. And... 3D is not necessarily anything new and the big players, especially the sports giants have been at it for a long time, but there's a really big bottleneck when it comes to scaling 3D. And that is the birth of Stitch. So that's around 2017 when we realized, hey, okay, to scale 3D, we actually need to tackle this differently. And again, it's a a technology problem as well as a human one. Because when it comes to 3D, it's also about upskilling teams, changing ways of working, changing your calendar, and things like that. And that's how Hatch and Stitch were were born. And just last year, actually just before COVID, which was a little bit of a surprise also for us, um, we were able to launch externally. So be able to serve brands outside of the PVH realm. And Hatch went first. And just in October, Stitch went live as well um uh, out of out of the the pvh umbrella so it's been pretty much a roller coaster ride yeah Um, but overall our aim is to help brands to digitize their value chain and then do that with 3d at the core so scale 3d and then be able to sell immediately in b2b actually using those 3d assets so that you don't need to create samples and and be able to speed up the 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 entire process make it much less wasteful and much more cost efficient and that's yeah that's what we hope to achieve and help other brands with
0: i mean it seems like so far you've been making an, a huge success of it so i mean congratulations some of the other brands that you worked with so if we take if we go back and we do the puma and google because they're outside of the the PBH world um was there anything you learned at those two companies that you've then applied to all of the stuff that you've done at Hatch and Stitch?
1: I think what I really learned, and, and I think Google has made a really big impact on on how I work and, and how I work with the teams, is um, the really the notion of st- challenging the status quo. I think Um, an industry like fashion, because it's so creative uh, tradition is also deemed very important. So there's a big notion of this is the way we've always done it because it's been successful. And at Google, you really learn that, yes, we might be successful today, but what makes us successful today will probably not make us successful tomorrow. So you need to constantly reinvent and consider things from new angles. And you also need to look at how do you bring other minds in to tackle the problems and come with different solutions. So our, our entire approach is really how do we bring different disciplines, ideally from outside of the industry, bring them in, show them the problem spaces, and then start working on solutions. And that's I, it's my favorite way to work because I love it. I love a good challenge and I love solving a good problem. Um, and I see that it really helps. So in our case, it's, we you know, in our teams, we have software engineers, backend, end, et cetera, like deep software engineers that have nothing to do with fashion, um, but they love a good challenge as well. And then we have experts in 3D design, um, people that come from product development backgrounds, people that come from showrooms. And so it's a really interesting mix of disciplines and together we're able to tackle all these problems. So that Google's definitely been the biggest influence there in, in how we approach that.
0: I really want to... Come to something which is about you personally, and that's something that I only discovered this week. You are on the Forbes Technology Council, an invite-only panel, which you deserve another congratulations for. Thanks. But how does it feel?
1: It's um, it's a little unreal, I have to say, um, because it's it's only been in the last like year and a half, and maybe it sounds a little cheesy, but uh, in the last year and a half, I've really found my voice, so to say um and it's been like really rewarding to be recognized for that and and to be invited on a panel like that um i i love talking and maybe also like a side benefit in this unfortunate situation of covid is um i re- i really discovered that i love writing uh, and i love um talking like especially writing about the topics that i'm passionate about which is the mix of fashion and technology tackling different problems tackling human challenges as well and um it's been a really nice recognition to be able to to share my voice also on a platform like Forbes.
0: What is it that you do on that council and how do you use your own influence?
1: Yeah. My aim here is really to first of all just to widen the understanding of how fashion works. I think uh, a lot of the times people from outside of the industry might see, you know, the the glossy covers of Vogue or um you know the shining e-com and and, and social media activities that these brands would do and especially in the last few weeks see all the metaverse and nft activities that all the brands are partaking in um, i think you know where where we believe the biggest impact is is, is in that under the hood part so the non-shiny part the non-consumer facing part and that a big part of the the positive impacts and and the impacts on the planet that we can make is is helping brands to tackle that and um, so I really do want to that's one of the aims for for using this platform is to, to create the awareness on how fashion works and not go like fashion bashing, but more to understand, like, what are the opportunities that technology could have? And how do you not just take technology and hope that it's like a plug and play solution to all your problems, but also recognize that in order to best adapt or, or to make the best use of technology, you have to adapt your processes. You have to reinvent and relook at the way that you do certain things, and that's how you can create the most value. So um, my aim here is really to to just create that awareness, and I start exploring the different opportunities and potential that digitization in that in that under the hood aspect has will have huge impact on the exciting stuff as well. Because imagine if you were to have your entire collection ready made in three D and done in such a high quality that it's just it's photoreal. I mean, you could just launch an entirely digital collection with that and then just, ent- like, that's your, like, way into the metaverse at scale. Mm-hmm. And so I think also from that, tackling the under under the hood will also make the consumer-facing side, um, yeah, much more attainable.
0: So if I circle back around to Hatch and Stitch, can you give me some examples, like the one you, you just said, about the kind of things that you think you can help businesses understand and the ways that they can make their... Their business is better.
1: Yeah, one of the things that we always love is that the moment when you start using one of our products, it kind of shines a light on on the opportunities for either better internal collaboration, better processes, different processes, um, especially with Hatch. If you take the B2B selling example, Hatch... um, Is a place where as a sales rep and as a brand you would do your branded storytelling and you know if a Zalando comes in you talk to them about you know this is what we're doing for the season this is what we're investing in from a marketing point of view and these are all the styles that come with that you know please dear Zalando, let's buy into this because it's important for us and by the way here's the rest of the proposal that we think will will get you the biggest sellout you can only do that if the content is there you can only do that if the decisions have been made on what the key looks are, are supposed to be, and you can only do that if you know the marketing team and the brand team, etc., have also um, uh, taken these these bigger decisions on where to invest um, more upfront. So it changes the way that a brand internally has to work, and you have to resequence some of these things, and that is the human side of the work that we do, and it's the same for three D. When you start working in in, in our Stitch Hub, the hub is almost like an e-com store, but then for creators. So you would have your digital fabrics there. You would have your trims there. You would have your stitched up blocks. So a designer can take like the form of a t-shirt and say, okay, I'm going to design on this one today. But if you don't have the ingredients, right, the hub isn't populated, you can't design. So again, it shines a light on where the opportunities are to put certain things in place. And That is what, well, for us, it's what makes it so exciting because we believe in the combination of the two. um, And that's also how we help brands. So step by step, we just take a flashlight and shine on the different areas that we can help them improve. And then quarter upon quarter or season on season, um, help them see improvements in that space too.
0: Five years down the line, essentially since Hatch became a business, what has that journey been like? What are you proud of, I guess?
1: It's actually a nice question because for us, we still feel so small, Um, you know, it's like there's a little drop in the ocean that we've done. So for us, the the opportunities out there are so much bigger. Um, But the journey has been really interesting. You know, officially, we've only been a business for like under just under two years. Um, because before we it, we've really gone through a journey of being almost like an R and D incubator set up um, for both a hatch and stitch, moving to scaling our products and scaling our services internally at Tommy and Calvin Klein, and then taking the jump and moving outside. Which um, it's a learning because you're learning how to build your products to to create the most value. You're you're learning how to deliver your services and, and tackle the human challenges with the brands. And But at the same time, you also need to learn how do you become a business and how do you define your go to market? How do you define your positioning? How are you going to talk about yourself externally? So it's it's been an amazing learning journey for us uh, in that sense. And I think that's also what keeps us super humble is knowing that, you know, there's there's amazing fashion tech companies out there that have years more experience than we do. So we know that we're only just starting. And I think that's also a mentality that we always want to keep is there's so much to learn and there's so much to do still that it's always, it's almost like Jeff Bezos' it's, it's always day one, which it really is because um, there's always a new challenge and there's always new um, new things to tackle.
0: It seems like actually that you're in quite a, a unique position because you've experienced your own business as uh, almost a startup within someone else's business. And then now independently, it's, you've got both sides of the story. So I would love to know what kind of obstacles or limitations you've, you've faced as a, as a startup and how that differs from working within somewhere like Tommy to, you know, finally going out on your own.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really good question. Cause there's, and there's so much nuance to that as well. A lot of different angles, I think one of the big the big changes that we went through is well it's two sides really like when when you when you go through the journey of you know bringing your products and services outside and actually going to market there's a lot that you need to learn but at the same time because we came from the corporate background there there was a lot that we needed to unlearn as well and it's almost like the distinction between large corporates and startups, where in the corporates, the corporates are set up to be a well-oiled machine. And it's there, the processes are there to ensure predictability of the outcome at the end of the year. And, but at a startup, the the most important thing is actually the speed at which you learn. And if you can learn fast, then you can adapt fast. And that kind of change is incredibly important so we we started thinking at first we were like oh we have to think in five year timelines but no we shouldn't think further than a quarter in reality because of the speed at which we're constantly changing and if i compare ourselves you know if i look at how we were last quarter or the quarter before it it feels like a different company every time and it's really that speed of learning that's been incredibly exciting but also daunting um but it's been really useful, and coming from uh, the corporate background, it does it has given us a huge amount of um, uh, a space where we could work with uh, with users directly, iterate with them. Like having access to the brands, to be able to go and have a coffee with someone and say, "Hey, does this work for you? What would we need to change, and how could we get you more value?" You know, that's been absolutely incredible. And you see that um, as we go to market now, it's it's been the best almost like learning and testing grounds that we could have wished for. And especially because of the impact that we've been able to create together with the brands, it's a really nice platform to jump off of.
0: Now it's time to hear a bit more about our partners, Klarna. Klarna lets customers pay up to 30 days later or in free installments at thousands of online stores, such as ASOS, River Island, Michael dot Made.com, and many more. Find out more at Klana.com. I actually want to know about how the industry's response has been to hatch and stitch. Um so my first part is pre-pandemic and then I'll come on to post pandemic.
1: It was it was really positive. So before COVID, um it's in, the, the nuance of how it's changed is really interesting. So before COVID, for example, from a Hatch point of view, we were really talking um, with the brands about how to digitize their physical showrooms and how to make it look amazing, et cetera, which is also you know, granted our area of expertise. Um, but then the big shift came. And from like March to April, everyone was only talking about how do we sell remotely? And how do we, uh, you know, how do we continue to, to drive our business even when everything's closed? So um, we also had to make a huge pivot where f- suddenly from like a physical product, like an in-showroom product, we had to like change 180 to be remote only. Um which was a, it was a really good learning experience again. And I think going through that was very good the last year and a half the conversations were really all about remote, remote, remote. But we also noticed that within the brands that there was an undertone of this is survival. We are in survival mode here. So it wasn't necessarily thinking like, how can we grow our business or how can we, it was really like, how do we save the quarter? How do we save the year? Um, And on the Stitch side, we saw, and it was like an eye-opening, and hopefully also for a lot of brands like a Catalyst, a huge realization that if you cannot travel and your factories are closed and you rely on a physical way of creating products, then your supply chain breaks. So the, the need for 3D became immense. And so it was a huge push to start working in more digital ways. And I think a realization for the industry that you need to be more flexible. You need to have more digital tools in that creation and development process because yeah, you never, if, you know, country by country goes on lockdown, like there is a chance that things stop. Um, and uh, because a lot of brands have luckily also survived through the last two years, they've seen that it is possible and we're noticing a change in tone now. So we're noticing that, that brands are starting to think again about building instead of surviving and how can they take what they were able to do under duress almost from a digital point of view in the last two years and start building it out properly. And that is amazing. So we see a lot of people coming in and say, well, I, I think, first of all, 3D is one of the topics that are very high on the strategic agenda for a lot of brands, um, which makes makes us obviously very happy. And um, more and more, we're getting questions again from brands uh, on digitizing their physical spaces, because what they've also learned is that the aspect of relationships, especially with the key retailers, it's still nice to see someone in person and maybe not four times a year, maybe once a year, but it's still nice to be able to have human connections. So um, it's very much, we feel right now that we're going back to our roots in the sense of we're talking with brands a lot about transformation. How can you adapt your processes and make the best use of our technologies? And that's a really great place to be in, because um, that's really what excites us the most.
0: And in terms of these conversations that you're having, have you found that, not from a sales perspective, but have you just found that it's easier to convince them that you are correct on what you're telling them, that this is what they need to do since you know the pandemic?
1: It has been. It has been easier, yes. Um, I, I think sometimes you need a bit of a wake up call, and the wake up call can be, "Oops, this is a really big problem." "Oops, this is a really big friction. We really have to solve it." And that's the industry needed that a little bit um, because you know the, the, before there was no catalyst or no reason for brands to say we have to change. I think more and more there's huge realization that um, and a, and a big willingness actually, I have to say, from from all layers in, in organizations. To want to change. And I see sustainability. So COVID has been one, but I actually think sustainability is another really big driver. I when I speak to young talents coming into brands, a lot of young creative talents have taught, have been taught 3D design at school. And they come into a brand and they realize like, whoa, what is this physical way of working? Why do I need physical prototypes? Like, they start to question the the ways of working because they think that some of this is just not sustainable and so i think that angle is also going to be a driver and and it will almost be like a bottom up and a top-down approach where maybe shareholders are pressuring to digitize and to be more sustainable and be more efficient but i think also from from the talent working at brands there's a huge realization and a a need to want to do things differently and make a different impact
0: Mm -hmm. and in terms of adoption or, or sign up or whatever you want to refer to it as of hatch and stitch. Has it been easier um, with companies in certain regions than others? Is there almost like a different mindset of this adoption?
1: We, um, we haven't necessarily seen that a lot yet, because also since we're just starting, our focus is very much on Europe. So we really work with the European markets, um, and there's also a reason for that because of intrinsic differences between the regions. We already made it a a priority to focus on on this region here. Um, We see that, for example, in the U.S., the way that you would cater to your wholesale or your big retailers is really different because in the U.S., you maybe only have a handful of the big players. Um, whereas in Europe, because it's much more fragmented, every single country has a really large account, like UK has suffrages and Harrods, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. And that for every country. Um, uh, so the way that you would sell in wholesale is, is vastly different from how you would do that in, in the US versus how you would do it in Asia. Our, our aim is to build a base here in Europe and then start moving outwards. So for example, with Stitch, Um, we're focusing right now on the fashion brands, but we're also very intrigued by the manufacturing space. And we think that, you know, that, that could be a next step for us to start tackling that, which means it would very likely bring us closer to Asia Pacific, for example. So um, we do see, um, tackling the different regions at some point, and then I'm sure we're going to notice the nuances But for now it's for sure, um, Europe only.
0: And in terms of companies that you can mention, um, who who are the companies that you are working with presently or you've worked with previously?
1: Yeah. So our one of our first customers was Javiana's, the Brazilian flip-flops. They came to us in COVID because all the Brazilian factories had closed and they didn't have samples and they had to sell. So um they've they're going into year two now with selling with hatch, and it's been such an amazing partnership and that was for us really exciting because it was our first customer and you know first time outside of the realm of the of PVH and that that made it incredibly rewarding um and they were able to continue to reduce their samples so even when factories opened up again they still reduced the the samples and they're really looking to also engage more on the transformation side so how can they take more advantage of hatch of digital selling in order to tell a more robust brand story etc so that you know that's the kind of stuff we love um so they're they're such a great partner
0: I mean but that's exactly what you want you don't want someone who is going to adopt hatch or stitch uh, with the mentality that it's only for the pandemic. You Mm. want someone who's going to look at the business and think this is something that we need to keep going. We need to constantly improve on and increase.
1: Absolutely. And it's also how we want to position ourselves. When we started out, um, we really, we looked at, or uh, put it this way, we thought long and hard about who do we want to be as a, as a company, as a partner? Do we want to be a software vendor that says, here's our software and good luck, well, we might train you a little bit? Or do we want to actually be a strategic partner that really helps you to see value? And, and you know, the team and I, we felt so strongly about the value aspect, especially come with our transformation experience, that we don't just want to be a software provider. For us, it's really about how do we work with these brands? How do we help them to see the value from digital so that they could. Keep pushing, you know that they keep moving forward, and that they keep changing. And that's, yeah, that's that's a really important one. So we love when when partnerships like that happen. That we really see it's a it's a longer term commitment where you're both learning, but you're also both changing, and you're really um, making the most of it.
0: And as as someone who is a female in a male led and male dominated industry, you are almost like someone on the outside. Um, you're challenging the unfortunate current narrative that there is and you're striving for so much more female power in this industry in tech uh behind the scenes in b2b fashion i mean what what does it feel like and how are you doing it other than other than doing exactly what you're doing with hatch and stitch um <laughs> it's
1: um sometimes i try not to think about it too much in reality um and because all you want to do is just press on, right? Like you just want to continue and you want to have a great team and work together with amazing brands so that you can really create value. Um, I'm happy that um, I can, that you know, it's, it's even weird to say it, but like that I can be an example for others to say that it is possible. Um, and I love being a, a woman in tech because I, I enjoy it very much. I think... Um, everyone brings uh, for me it comes down to just having different people different cultures different ways of living everyone coming together because all the different minds just come with amazing solutions so i think the more diverse um you can set it up to be the better it is and that especially goes for the fashion industry is how the more that we can bring outside talent in the the better it will be for the kind of solutions that we're going to be able to to make and yeah i just i it's hard for me to answer because you feel like, as a woman in this industry, you're never doing enough, and that's hard. But as long as we try every day to make it better, then then yeah, hopefully we, together we can we can get there.
0: You've got you've always got to try and challenge the the sort of white straight male narrative. So anything you're doing to challenge that, I congratulate you for on a personal level. Financially, over the last. Um, I said five years, but if you want to look at two years, because that's what you said, how a has mm-hmm. been going at prop way, how is it how has it been for as a business?
1: Um, I think we're very much in the early stages. You know, when you look at when you look out there what a benchmark is, when you bring a new product to market from a SaaS perspective, usually they give twenty-four months um for you to to gain early traction. So um, with Hatch, for example, we're we're nearing those that 24 months mark, and now we are noticing it that definitely we needed that year and a half of learning and falling on our butts um, in order to get to the place we are. I am super hopeful for next year, especially from a financial point of view. And what makes me even more excited is that we're we're bundling Hatch and Stitch together. So we're really starting to operate more as one company, but then two products, two brands. And that's what we see in incredible value. So we're starting, even though Stitch just came onto market like six weeks ago, we're already doing co-pitches together where we're, we're almost offering like A digital transformation package where we're saying listen we can help you scale 3d design and if we take a subset of your collection we can also enable you to then sell from it immediately using hatch so you can experience a digital value chain in a smaller context but at least you can experience it end to end and then we can help you you know scale that so for that combination for us is is i think is going to be very worthwhile so i'm looking at next year to be very favorable
0: yeah i mean you dabbled in it there and you've almost answered my question already and it feels so silly to ask about the next year or the next two years because you said that you almost mentally work per quarter but Mm -hmm. what is the future for hatch be it something you know of and stitch um that you know of or that you are hopeful for
1: yeah yeah so Overall, what I think when when it comes to startups, the, and actually also to digital transformation, um, your mantra should always be think big but start small. And that's the same when it comes to to leading a startup. You have to think big. So we do have ambitions that go five years out. Um, we just have many of them because depending on what how we learn, we can navigate to the different um, points. One of the things that we find you know, what, what drives us is we want to be able to tackle fashion and and the apparel space in Europe. And if that goes well, we definitely see ourselves expanding to other geographies, but we also see ourselves expanding from brands to potentially manufacturers. And uh, at the same time, I think there's, as we start working, you know, with Stitch and Hatch together with with customers, we're going to encounter gaps in our product that we might want to focus R&D on. So will there only be two products? Maybe not. Maybe there's going to be more products that we can offer to brands that you really have a suite of, um, of great digital products to help you on on digitizing the value chain. So we have all these different scenarios that are playing in our minds. And quarter on quarter, depending on how we're doing and how we're adapting, one of them will for sure come into play um but we keep it open
0: yeah well it sounds like you could be in five years time the adobe collection of 3d design and sustainability so it's all it's all very exciting
1: it would be amazing
0: um i just want to thank you really for giving me half an hour of your time to talk about everything hatch and stitch uh all of your work uh sustainability Forbes Technology Council, I just want to say thank you really. It's been really insightful and I'm sure everyone else listening will agree and think the same.
1: Oh, thanks. Thanks for the thoughtful uh, questions. It was great.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to the industry.fashions in conversation podcast. If you ever want to be there in person, visit our website at the industry.fashion and sign up for our newsletter be the first to hear about future events thanks for listening thanks again to our partners corner and keep an eye out for our next episode, episode.